Uh, welcome to All Things Terror. I'm Emily. I'm Jennifer. This is a research podcast about tales from science, true crime, and history that will keep you up at night. At least we hope it will keep you up at night. It keeps us up at night. Yeah, I I do feel um, emotionally involved in some of these stories that I research. Yeah, I do too. Uh, also, listen, astute listeners will realize we've adjusted our tagline a little bit. That's just one of the many gifts we're bringing to you in season three. Another <laughs> one, let me just do this plug because I am about it, is we have a Facebook group now. I'm going to look it up on my phone really quick so I don't tell you the wrong name. I think it's just called All Things Terror Podcast. It is. Um, but come and join us. We, um, we're going to be posting all of our sources there. We're going to be posting other things that are sort of left over or are funny. Don't just make it into the, um, podcast. You can post stuff there too. You can give us suggestions. Um, yeah, it'll be fun. We can Uh, talk to you there. Yeah, we can talk to you. You can see us talking to each other. Uh, I know we still have our Instagram. Come and follow us on Instagram. Come and follow us on Twitter. If you follow us on one channel, feel free to follow us on another. I, uh, like, some things will pop up. Everything on Instagram will be on Facebook and Twitter, but I also make sure each thing has unique content as well. So, um, wherever you engage with us, you'll be getting extra stuff that you won't be getting in the other places. And we also have... I guess the digital version of old school contact, which is email as well. Oh yeah, we do. It's all things terror at gmail.com and all of that information is available on our Instagram. I'm not sure if it's on Twitter. It should be on Facebook. Yeah, if it's not, we'll put it there. We have that um, information on SoundCloud too. Yeah, but for sure, come and follow us. Obviously subscribe, give us reviews. Um, We know it's been a long time, and so you probably don't want to hear us just plug things, but um, it's going to be really popping soon, so, you know, make sure you're you're prepared for all the excitement that we're about to unleash. We have so many things planned for this season. Yeah. Jennifer, you said you prepared a short, terrifying tale. Tell me, tell me something small. Well, I just have- Scary, like a small child. Well, small child. (laughs) How have you been sleeping at night? I don't sleep very well. You know this about me. Um, So, like, actually pretty well because I've been sick. I've been going to bed about 9 or 10, sleeping very deeply until about 5, which is also... Yeah, I wake up around 5. I'm awake for about 30, 40 minutes, then I'll go back to sleep. Uh, also the cats have gotten in this habit. Um, I have one window. It's right by my bed. Um, that doesn't have a screen and at night I crack it and the cats just come and go. Um, because otherwise they knock on the window, but, um, yeah, so I'll be sleeping and the cats will like walk over me to come in or out. Um, and Felix like fusses at them and yeah, I don't sleep very well. Um, like ever, so continue. I don't. That was probably far more than you needed with that question. No, that's good. Um, when you and I met, I was dealing with a lot of health problems, and one of the things that 
took a little bit longer for me to get over, but I eventually did get over it was I had chronic insomnia. Oh, insomnia is the worst. Also, I thought this was gonna... <laughs> I thought you were gonna... <laughs> I'm sorry I'm laughing so hard, but I haven't thought about this in years. I thought you were gonna tell the story about when you were, like, hanging out at my house, and I got really drunk, and <laughs> you, like... <laughs> I can't remember if you spent the whole night or if you just, like, put me to bed and then, like, napped. But I, st- I stayed the whole night. You slept, yeah, we had a sleepover, and I was, like, talking. It was a real banner evening for me talking in my sleep about, like, spiders or something. Uh, <laughs> which is, I think, really one of the first times we hung out, and I just got wasted and then talked in my sleep, so. <laughs> it was That was a good night. <laughs> Um, and that is the end of my terrifying tale. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're like, oh, this is the first time I'm hanging out with this girl from school. This will be fun. And then you're like, oh my god, what the fuck is wrong with her? (laughs) Uh, no. I, so when I, you and I met, I was going through some things, and one of the things I had been dealing with on top of everything else was I had really bad insomnia. And it would be, I would only get about an hour to two hours of sleep for four days. Oh. Like, each one of those days, I average, like, one to two hours. And then on the fourth day, when I go to sleep, I would just crash. And sometimes I would end up missing school because I would end up sleeping the whole day. And it was terrible. Um, and this is when I was given a prescription for sleep medication. And for anyone out there who has taken Ambien... You know how hard it is to stay awake through Ambien, and I would just be straight wired regardless of Ambien. Oh my god, that's insane. So, um, I wanted to talk to you about fatal familial insomnia. Oh my god, this is insane. So, what do you know about fatal familial insomnia? Uh, I know that it's a prions disease, and I don't know what that means, except that I listened to an episode of This Podcast Will Kill You, which is all about diseases, and I love it, and they explained prions, and I was like, this is far beyond my understanding of science, um, and Chuck Klosterman has a book where a character has it. And it just sounds horrifying. I I had insom- like problems with insomnia when I was like 19, 20, and kind of similar pattern as you where I would have like a week or two where it just is like, oh, I got two hours of sleep last night. And like, you're so tired all day. And then at night, you're like wired. And then at the end of like a couple days, I would just like crash and sleep for like 14 hours. But when you are in that night time space of like oh I should be asleep but like you can't sleep and it like goes on for a couple days I mean you really start to feel insane like and uncomfortable and it's hard to function during the day it's so weird like um there's a line in fight club where it's like when you can't sleep everything feels like a copy of a copy of a copy um Oh, you could really hear my Midwestern in there. A copy of a copy of a copy. Uh, (laughs) 
But that does feel, yeah, that was a good quote for me where, like, at night, everything, you feel, like, electrified. You feel like you, you have all this energy. And, like, I remember uh, I lived in the dorms and, like, there was this weird, like, loophole in security in the early 2000s where all the dorm computers were on the same network. And so... There was essentially no security. Like, if somebody wanted to, like, hack another computer, it would be really easy. But what people would do is open their iTunes libraries, and then you would get, like, this program that would let you download stuff from other people's iTunes libraries and bring it into yours. And I would just stay up all night, like, doing that and, like, like doing weird, like, obsessive little things. You just feel like you get in this tunnel. Um... And then during the day, it was like you feel kind of like you're underwater or something. Yeah, and... Anyway, that's just insomnia, not the question you actually asked me. No, so let's talk about fatal familial insomnia, or FFI. Um, so the first thing that you need to know about it is that it's incredibly rare. Um, it's been linked to... So I, it's not 100% sure to me. Um, it said as... So one source said since, like, 1996, only 40 families had been identified, and then in 2011, they added another family. So I'm going to say 40 to 41 families um, are affected by this. And how, many, how many people is that? Roughly 100 individuals. Wow. That's actually a lot higher than I thought it would be. But still very rare. This is worldwide. Yeah. So still rare. Um, yeah. It is a genetic degenerative brain disorder. So what this means, um, it's progressive, it's degenerative. So that means um, over time there are less neurons. I'm going to do some science in true all things terror fashion. Yeah. Mm, uh, mm, mm. I miss so, this. <laughs> <laughs> it starts as mild, but it is progressive. Um what causes it, so there are basically two ways you end up with FFI. One is through an abnormal variant in the uh, prion-related protein, so PRPN gene, or mm. randomly, um, which if you just get it randomly, it's not genetic, then it's called sporadic fatal insomnia, and that's cool. typically when PRPN mutates during your life um and this is this is funny to me so uh when we're talking about abnormal variant in prpn all that means is it's it's talking about its shape so they describe it they being the scientific community describe it as being misfolded so there was a reason why i brought up iron shirts which is Somebody forgot to iron the fucking prion, and <laughs> that is why you end up with FFI. <laughs> yeah. You can tell we used to be teachers with all these weird metaphors that we always bring in, but I like that one very much. <laughs> um, the abnormal or unironed PRPN builds up in the thalamus, and the thalamus is the part of brain which causes, um, which controls like this. It, like, Sorry. regulates functions, like your normal functions, right? 
Well, it controls both your sleep-wake cycle and also helps the different parts of the brain talk to each other. I don't know if anyone remembers, like, really, really sixth-grade science here, but they would call it the Relay Center. Yeah. Oh, wow. I hadn't thought, yeah, Relay Center brings me back. And the um, buildup of the abnormal PRPN um, causes the loss of nerve cell which is the neurons, hence it being a progressive degenerative brain disorder. There we go. We brought it out full circle. So. Science. Um, there is no cure. Um, and death usually occurs between 12 to 18 months when you start to experience the first symptoms. Oh. The first recorded case uh, was an Italian man who died in 1765. There is a book by D.T. Max, and I'm sorry I did not memorize the title. I'll write it down, but if you look up D.T. Max and Fatal Familial Insomnia, it details the whole history of this Italian man. It goes back to the 18th century, and there was a more recent relative who was able to trace his family all the way back to the 18th century and point out which ancestor died. And then, of course, he ended up being diagnosed with FFI and no also way. died. They traced it all the way back to that guy. That's cool. Yeah, he, um, the, the man who ended up dying, the more recent person, uh, he had his, apparently had his uh, genealogy just, like, memorized. It's insane. Oh, wow. So, um... So this is at least what we know. We can trace it back to 1765, um, patient zero. Other prion diseases that you might be familiar with include mad cow disease and kuru. Yeah, kuru. That's throwing it all the way back to season one. Yes, I'm just bringing it all together. So uh, something else that you know is that it is autosomal dominant genetic inheritance which means you only need a single copy of the gene to inherit it so if you have one parent who has it and another parent who doesn't you have a 50 percent chance of inheriting ffi if oh both of your parents have it then you will 100 percent have it um, yep. <laughs> so it you know the numbers aren't great but again it's super rare but even if it's rare if it's in your family you are running a high risk of having FFI. Um, there are four stages, or described to be four stages. So the first stage is progressive insomnia, and during that time period you'll experience anxiety, panic attack, phobias, hallucinations, and that's about four months of that. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take long to hallucinate from not sleeping. No, and I definitely had have had some intense hallucinations during that time period where I just had terrible insomnia oh my god um the second stage is described as having an intensity of hallucination so these um hallucinations start to ramp up and of course the panic panic attacks increase as well and that's about five months of that on top of that sleeping and then in the third stage there is rapid weight loss and a complete or total inability to sleep um, and that lasts for about three months. And then the final stage is dementia. And at that point, 
it's considered terminal and that stage lasts for about six months. Um, the onset begins anywhere between 32 to 62. The average is 51. I think the youngest that had been uh, diagnosed with FFI is 18 and the oldest is roughly 72. Oh my gosh. Um, and what's crazy is that people who have it are usually otherwise healthy until the symptoms present. Yeah. Now. It's so weird. Yeah, so you could be like a marathon runner and then you have an onset of FFI and then everything goes downhill pretty rapidly. Well, and to be like perfectly healthy up until about 50 and then all of a sudden be like, oh weird, I couldn't sleep. And then be like, I still can't sleep. Well, it gets a little more intense. Um, Here are some of the symptoms. Not all of them, but some of them. So first off, insomnia, obviously. Weight loss, lack of appetite. Your body begins to lose the ability to regulate its temperature, so you're either too warm or too cold. Um, You start to experience confusion, forgetfulness, inattention. Um, You start to lose coordination and muscle control you'll might have an inability to walk you might start having speaking or speech problems eventually leading into muteness and of course the inability to swallow this is very like it's like extremely fast alzheimer's or dementia plus you can't sleep it is a terrible way to die yeah oh and my god yeah the fatality is a hundred percent you can't escape yeah. it so uh clint i burped twice on mic just for you <laughs> thrice that, three four well i mean technically four times but mm. who's counting <laughs> well i mean in total sum you have burped four times I mean, I haven't had beer in like a week, so... It's gonna get a little burpy. It's just all burps. Well, that is FFI for you. Um, while so, insomnia was really terrible when I had it, I am grateful that this is not something I suffer from. Yeah, I... Uh, it is terrifying. It is like, I hope that there's a listener who hears this and then they go to sleep and they can't sleep tonight and they're like, oh my god, what if I have that? Because um, that would just be delightfully spooky. But uh, <laughs> yeah, insomnia really is the worst. Like, I, it's just, it really, it is insane how much you take sleep for granted until you can't sleep and then how rapidly you deteriorate. As I say this as someone who, you know, I'm not a great sleeper, but I by no means would say I have insomnia. I don't, you know, but like, man, a year or two of just having that periodically is enough to make me be like, you know, praise Jesus and all his angels, as my mother would say, that that ended. Well, you know what I mean? It's always terrifying when your body works against you like you're supposed to be a team yeah exactly like we're in <laughs> this si- together <laughs> whose side are you on body <laughs> you, you remember the three-legged races it's like we have to complete this race together body right it's like you and a corpse trying to complete a three-legged race 
Uh, that's the human condition. Uh, trapped in our meat prisons. Which has been a topic lately in our All Things Terror text group. Yeah, we have a text group. You guys should be jealous. We're pretty funny all the time. Uh, but yeah, I do, because I teach freshmen, and because I teach freshman writing, um, a big part of my job is like, let's have empathy, like, let's be good scholars who are also good humanists, and like, how can we relate to someone or something that feels very different from us, um, which... You and I are well into our 30s. This sounds like it shouldn't be hard, but it is hard to kind of get people to think that way, especially when you're 18 years old. And I often start by being like, if you read something and you are filled with disgust about it, like you have to sit with that disgust because we are people and our emotions. Hang on a sec. Felix, Felix, come here. I don't care. Stay in the house. Rue, why did you open the door? That was such a dramatic whine. Good God. That was nowhere near even his most dramatic whine. All right, hang on. One more second. All right, Felix, come here. Where are you barking at now? Come here. Get it. What is it? What is it, boy? Ah, it's the neighbors. It's the neighbors. You like them. Anyway. <laughs> The thing I tell my students is that you have to honor, you have to understand why you're feeling disgust. And then once you understand why you feel that way and why you're reacting that way, you can think about why other people maybe wouldn't feel disgust or, you know, how do you balance disgust and your reaction with someone else's reaction. But you can't dismiss the way that something makes you feel, even some, when you're a scientist or whatever, because we are trapped in our bodies. We can't ever get outside of our bodies and our experience. And this is when I inevitably say, like, seriously, guys, we are trapped inside of these things. We will never know what it's like to be another person. Uh, this is a meat prison, uh, which is something that really fucks me up every time I think about it. Um, and they always think is really funny. And that's what it's like to have me as a teacher. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, I've got to stop thinking about this or I'm just going to be morose. So uh, the thing that I prepared for you is much smaller. And I'm sorry mine wasn't tiny enough for you. God. No, no. I was saying that as a, a wee a wee apology. Uh, ach, you went and showed me up. You did. Um no, uh, uh, let's see, last spring, uh, did you hear about, uh, Oumuamua? No, tell me about Oumuamua. So, Oumuamua was an object, an interstellar object, uh, it is the first known object to visit our solar system from another solar system. Dun, dun, dun! Yeah, um, I think we need sound effects there, Clint. Yeah, Clint, please put in some dramatic sounds. We're working really hard to be professionals this season, so I think you should too. That wasn't a jab. No, it, was it, it wasn't. Uh, I I had a really sassy face, but I think Clint probably <laughs> knows that. 
Um, so originally they thought it was a comet, and then they were like, wait a minute, this is not acting like a comet. And then they thought it was an asteroid, and then they're like, well, maybe it is a comet. Um, but it seems to be kind of rocky, it's kind of cigar-shaped, it has a little bit of a reddish hue. Um, it's a hot dog. It is actually a flying hot dog. I'm looking at this NASA thing right now that says it's up to one quarter mile long and probably ten times as long as it is wide. So it's not very big, but it is, it's like skinny and long. It is a hot dog, Um, which is, it says that aspect ratio is greater than that of any asteroid or comet observed in our solar system to date. Um, But it's, theoretically they say it's been wandering through um, the Milky Way unattached to any system for hundreds of millions of years. Uh, they think its weird shape might give us um, insight into what other solar systems are like. Uh, but also, um, when I first saw this, like the first thing I saw about this was that it's unlike any sort of uh, comet or asteroid that has been seen. And that it is a weird sound coming off of it. And so they're like, well, it probably is because it's interstellar. It probably is just like a weird asteroid. But there is not some speculation. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, my God, it's a, it's an alien spacecraft. That's what I like to think it is. Uh, but even if it isn't, it's really cool and crazy because we are getting something from another solar system, which as far as we know has never happened before. And an exoplanet, a planet that lives outside of our solar system, theoretically could be one of our best chances for a new Earth if we could ever get space travel that would take us out of there. Um, But exploring solar systems outside of our solar system is like really fucking crazy weird space science and uh, is very exciting and terrifying because you could have a solar system that's not carbon-based or... um, you know, life that is totally different from ours, which is insane. Yeah, the, there's, um, I don't know, the more I read about, like, space exploration and what other things could be out there, the more I'm like, all right, so Twilight Zone and Outer Limits is real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, do you watch Glow on Netflix? Yes. I don't love it. I have some really serious fucking complaints about it, but I still watch it because I'm a masochist, apparently, and it has its moments. Actually, mostly, I think the show would be great if Mark Maron wasn't in it. I fucking hate his character and everything about it, but, um, eliminate him and most of my complaints go. But anyway, uh, in season three, there's this bit that I fucking love where they go, they're watching the Challenger launch. And this one character, Britannica's like, where are they going? And the guy's like, they're going to space. And she's like, but yeah, where in space? (laughs) It's meant to be kind of an airhead question. It kind of is. But also I'm like, that's not that dumb of a question. No, there's a lot of depth to that. (laughs) Yeah. like. (laughs) Well, I was just thinking like, you know, um, a lot of our 
a lot of what we understand about Earth and what we understand about life on Earth is based off the fact that life is based on carbon, right? Yeah. Like, but, what would life be if it wasn't carbon-based is yeah, like mind-blowing. What if it's boron-based life, which is right. something that is a real thing that could exist in space? Um, what happens if we do explore space and we bring back some not carbon-based um, disease to the planet? You know, what happens if we wander into an atmosphere that seems like it's safe for us but then just causes us to explode like there's all kinds of weird things that could happen yeah or even like i don't know if you and i have talked about this but like let's say we are able to colonize mars but it's not super easy to get get there so it's not like you know taking the red eye from LaGuardia to lax or anything like that like how long would it be before humans on earth and humans on mars started evolving differently yeah exactly and i imagine you know while we feel like we're technical technologically advanced when it comes to space travel i feel like we're probably in the same era of when like people thought that taking giant boats through two new continents was like really fancy and advanced travel form yeah i mean every generation has been like wow we are so technologically advanced we're living in the future now like every generation feels that way uh it's like it's funny to look back at historical things especially from like when you have these like booms like in the victorian era our favorite era where people had a lot of faith in like humans ability to solve problems and like they were like, we're living in the most advanced age. We can fix everything. And, like, it's just, it's the same thing people say now about the internet or, like, in the 1950s with post-war prosperity or whatever. Like, every generation thinks they are the most scientifically advanced. And I guess they're right. They are. Um, but, yeah, skipping ahead in the future, assuming the Earth is still here, it could be really cool. Well, all I have to say is that right now, we're taking ships to space. Yeah. Just if very... you have enough money. <laughs> yeah. Just very um roughly crafted water ships to yeah. space. Pretty much. Oh, that's I, actually I, kind of a, a hopeful way for us to end this mini episode. I mean well, if that's the case, I just wanna remind everyone that the Amazon is on fire. Yeah, the Amazon is on fire. Donate to the national, not the national, the Rainforest Defense Fund. Does that sound right? There's a lot yeah. of them out there. Yeah, uh, do it. Um, yeah, so on and so forth. Uh, listen up to us on Halloween. We are going to launch season three. And uh, if you can't sleep tonight, it's probably familial insomnia. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome, America. Goodbye. <laughs>
All Things Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is Clint. Intro music is by Cosimo Fogg. Come chat with us on Twitter at All Things Terror or Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast. Ask nicely and we'll probably send you a really cute sticker. If you like this podcast, tell a friend or write a review. It really helps us and helps more people find us. Goodbye forever. Jennifer, how the hell have you been? We haven't recorded in a long time. We've had a pretty long break from ourselves and our our legions of fans. <laughs> our three fans. <laughs> yeah, who all know us in real life. What's up, guys? Um, So, you know, it's been kind of intense. I had some pet things go on and then... You know, my work life is my work life, uh, but I have been getting a great deal of reading done. I've been doing some cooking and gardening. I'm sorry, wait, did you say you've been getting a lot of bleeding? Yes, done? lots That's of That's not right. What did you say? Lots of bleeding. Like, as much <laughs> bleeding as I can get done, I'm filling it in in this break. Well, you have to balance out your humor. That's true. And I mean... I have leeches on tap. They're actually in a candy dish, and I just, like, you know, just stick them on whenever I need some bleeding. Yeah. Uh, Clint, you son of a bitch, you will appreciate this. I've been doing a rewatch of 30 Rock, and there's a bit where Jenna Maroney has leeches under her eyes to try and look younger, so (laughs) you're just becoming Jenna Maroney. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I I said reading. Oh, that makes way more sense. You know, the thing that, like, comes in these rectangular, not rectangular, oh gosh, rectangular shapes. Spectacular. Yes. Um, It's both rectangle and spectacular mushed together, rectangular um, shape, and then there's words on the inside of it. I've been doing a lot of that. Nice. Because I'm a part of a couple of book clubs, so... Uh, the reading schedule is intense. I would say maybe not as intense as grad school was, but, you know, it's intense considering that I have a, you know, nine to five. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, so our break really neatly coincided with my, um, break, and I'm putting that in air quotes from teaching full time. Um, but over the summer I taught a class and I work at a garden center. That's for you, Clint. I always got a burp at least once. Um, and I've been traveling a lot. Interestingly, I had my meeting yesterday. Like, my whole department gets together and, uh, has this meeting before the semesters begin. And two of my colleagues were like, yeah, I finished two books. It was great. And I was like wait, what? Like, I tried really hard not to be judgmental, but I was like, you read two books over 
three months, like, uh, I read way more than that. And to be fair, I mean, it's not like I'm sitting down and reading Dickens. I've been reading lots of true crime and lots of other stuff. But still, I was kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's um, a fair point. And I... So I do the same book challenge every year where it's like I try to read at minimum 50 books a year. I usually average, you know, with full-time job about 100. But that's wow, sad. Just like two books. <laughs> what do you Yeah, I try I try to go for 52, which is one a week averaged out. But I don't count ones that I read for work or for the podcast. So. Well, it's a little unfair, too. And I don't read poetry. I was going to say, yeah. I read poetry. <laughs> I also read graphic novels. So I And I do count those because the way I read poetry counts as reading. And my graphic novels are my breaks. Yeah, I think you should count that. Um, but yeah, uh, also I'm getting over a little bit of a cold. I'm drinking for the first time in like a week because I've been sick. Um, and I'm drinking a beer called Sound of the Fart Side, which you will appreciate. I'll have to send you a picture. Uh, my house is infested with fruit flies. It's really, you know, super exciting times. So it's here. a little bit like, I don't know, the medieval times inside your house, like alcohol and <laughs> flies. And sickness. A sickness and... <laughs> I'm sorry, I did not realize the volume on my phone is off. I'm turning that off now. I'm a bad person. Um, I was going to say, also, oh, like, man. general malaise might be part of that. For sure. Also, like, because it's, well, it's the end of my summer. <laughs> but because it's summer, I don't really have to look professional. So I bathe as little as possible, which seems about in line with medieval Equally times. medieval. So, uh, yeah, that is a great beer can and you need to post that on the instagram slash facebook oh i absolutely will also uh clint you're gonna hate this but hang on one sec felix come on thank you good doggy i have been doing some i guess you would call them self-experiments which is jennifer nobody wants to hear about you masturbating i've been doing a lot of masturbation <laughs> um, all successful, you know, in case anybody was curious about that. Um, uh, but <laughs> I don't, I don't like this joke. So, um, one of the things have been like wearing the same outfit. I was going to do like 21 days, but I lost steam because I live in Texas and the outfit that I picked was pants and a long sleeve cotton shirt. Because Oh no, you can't do that. In no, Texas. so I did get away with wearing it for two weeks and literally no one noticed until I told them I've been wearing the same outfit for two weeks. I one hundred percent would notice if I saw you. <laughs> That's there's no way I would not notice. That's probably true. I I have like this black shirt. It's just like a loose fitting black t shirt, but like it feel like it's flattering on me. It's comfortable, like it's casual, but it also looks kind of nice. I wear it so much when I go out, and I like will be getting ready to go out, and I will have like panic where I'm like, this person that I'm meeting. Was I wearing this last time I went out with this person? Doesn't matter if it was three weeks ago. I can't wear it. Like, God bless you and your capsule wardrobe experiment. But I'm like, eh. 
Oh, yeah, and I, I'm down to, like, a proper capsule now, which, you know, after wearing the same outfit for two weeks, I realized, like, how full my closet is, even though yeah. it's considerably smaller than probably what a lot of people have. Yeah, I don't feel like I have, I don't have a lot of clothes, but one of the things that does beef it up, and I decided I'm not going to feel bad about that, is that when I'm teaching, I dress kind of business casual. Like, I don't have to. I could wear jeans, but I don't. Um, and then when I'm not teaching, I am like, I don't wear any of those clothes. And I just like having, like, a little separateness between, like, my work self and my non-work self. Um, but yeah, I've been traveling a lot this summer and I'm going to be doing a lot of little weekend trips coming up. And so I've really gotten good at packing and being like, yep, here are the outfits, zip, zip. And like, there is something nice about that, but then there's also something nice about coming home and being like, oh, I have the perfect shirt for what I want to wear right now. That's true. There, there is something to be said about having a variety that you can like, distinguish like this is my work stuff this is my casual stuff this is my vacation stuff for me yeah. i basically have two modes it's like workout clothes and everything else i am like i have a lot of t-shirts and i feel like i wear them more now that i have a professional job where it's like oh i'm gonna like dress nicely and then i come home and i'm like fuck that t-shirts so i've become more of a slob in my private life i think as my professional life has gotten nicer <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> I mean, just because you wear a t-shirt doesn't make you a slob. But Yeah, I'm... it's all the other things I do that make me a slob. <laughs> True. <laughs> but um, this will also make you laugh because I feel like it's very on-brand with me, but when I do wear a t-shirt, I iron my t-shirt. Oh my god! <laughs> and I get made fun of a lot for that. Do you know who also used to iron his t-shirts was my little brother. And my mom said in high school he used to iron his t-shirts. And he was so, like, prissy and vain and, like, always had to have his hair in, like, perfect, like, array. And my mom loves that story that he used to iron his t-shirts. She's like, I got two girls and they never did that. And I'm like, yeah, this is me and my sister are disgusting animals. But, <laughs> oh, my God, that is hilarious. Well, listen, I mean, you know where I work, and there's basically no dress code. However, um, in the sea of casualness, you have to, like, balance between what is casual dress-up and casual, like, you probably live in your mom's basement and have been playing World of Warcraft for maybe a little bit too long. Right. And... Uh, because it's, you know, it's a tech company. There's some stereotypes that are very real. Uh, sorry, hang on. My dog is barking. Felix! Felix! Come here! Come here! All right, Jennifer, hang on one sec. I'm just going to leave the time running, but I got to get up and close the door. Oh, God, fuck, why is life hard? Why are you barking at? Why are you barking? What's going on? 